An exciting update for you guys here on the Auburn Undercover Podcast. We are proud to partner a new partnership here on the show, New Orleans-based Prime Shrimp, Shrimp Company, to give you guys some delicious, easy-to-cook shrimp. You can get it delivered straight to your door. These guys have been peeling shrimp in New Orleans since the 40s, and they're excited to debut an exciting new product for you guys to get restaurant-quality shrimp at home. Get this under 10 minutes without any of the usual fuss of cooking. The concept is simple and easy. You guys can take the frozen pouch right out of your freezer, drop it in a pot of boiling water. You have that shrimp ready in 10 minutes. Order at primeshrimp.com. You guys can get it delivered straight to your door. And for the first week of our partnership with them, you guys can use the code AUBURN247. That's all caps, all one word, AUBURN247. 50% off your first purchase. Try it today. Risk-free purchase. Again, primeshrimp.com. If you guys don't love it, you get your money back. Flavors include signature seasoned French Quarter Alfredo, garlic herb butter, and guys, the Louisiana shrimp boil. I've I've had it. I cannot get enough of it. My wife really loves the French Quarter Alfredo, but I absolutely cannot get enough of the Louisiana shrimp boil. So you guys are going to love this stuff. Again, 50% off. We're going to continue on after that with them. We're going to have deals with them after that. But this week only, our first week, Auburn 24-7, all one word, all caps, Auburn 247, 50% off your first purchase. Again, that is primeshrimp.com. What's going on, everybody? Nathan King here from the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Wanted to just remind everybody about one of our great sponsors here on the 24-7 Sports Network, and that is Home Field Apparel. What is Home Field Apparel? You guys, the premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis that produces incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs like Auburn and all of their great logos and designs um, that they've had throughout their history. Home Field digs through the archives and history of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments to make thoughtful designs for your school. Obviously, one of their most popular collections is the Auburn collection now. Now over 20 pieces in total on their site, homefieldapparel.com. If you guys were anywhere on social media, you you were part of the Peacock movement. Um, If you're an Auburn fan of the Auburn basketball season, they've got a great Peacock shirt and Peacock hoodie that says Auburn Hoops. Easily my favorite design of theirs. Um, it's a great, great piece of uh, piece of work for an Auburn fan to pick up to commemorate this basketball season. You guys can still get 15% off your first purchase at homefieldapparel.com with the code Auburn Undercover. That's all caps, all one word, Auburn Undercover. Please go check it out. You guys love their product, have loved it for a really long time. If you guys have been anywhere in the world of college athletics in the past couple of years in terms of social media, like I talked about, they have been phenomenal. They've done a really good job of branding themselves and they back it up with a great product and Auburn is one of their biggest sellers like that new Peacock uh, jacket I was just telling you guys about. So be sure to go pick that up. Get 15% off your first purchase. Again, promo code, all caps, Auburn undercover at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. And welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King, joined today by a special guest as we start to look ahead to Auburn's 2022 opponents on their regular season schedule. Mr. Daniel Gallen, who is here from the Penn State 24-7 site. We did a lot of work with them last season, obviously, when Auburn was traveling um, to Happy Valley. But Daniel is a new addition um, past couple months to the 24-7 sports team. So, Daniel, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, and welcome to 24-7. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, great to be here and uh, I'm really excited to look forward to this game. Is this one, is this getting the most early season buzz in terms of Penn State schedule that it is for Auburn? Because for Auburn, 
this is the first game that really people, I mean, you've got, you know, a couple tune up games, but this is the first one where people are really looking at, you know, get in the stadium and, and, and create an environment. And this will kind of be a litmus test for, for next year's team. Is that the case or does Penn state have somebody that maybe will be able to tell them a little bit before this game? Well, Penn state opens the year with Purdue uh, on a Thursday night in West Lafayette, uh, which is kind of, it, it kind of changes up the dynamic a little bit. It was similar last season, uh, where Penn State opened the season at Wisconsin uh, in week one. So the way that the Big Ten has done some things with, with having these Big Ten, uh, you know, having conference games as the openers, you know, it, it maybe takes a little bit of the luster off of, you know, an, an early season non-conference game like this. And it also kind of changes up the rhythm um, of kind of the non-conference slate, where you're going from high-intensity game, uh, then Ohio, then Auburn, another high-intensity game, then Central Michigan, um, which we saw last year, Penn State had, you know, when we got to the midseason, maybe some of those backups, some of those second stringers weren't maybe as prepared um, as they might have needed to be when we had some injuries. But um, but yeah, I mean, at the same time, though, it's, it's an SEC team. Um, anytime you can be a Big Ten team and play an SEC team, I mean, I think that Auburn has a little bit more juice than Purdue. Um, you know, even though it's produced the season opener, prime time Thursday night, you know, going to be the, the only game in town, more or less. But I think there's still a lot of excitement. And the fact that this is going to be on CBS in that, you know, 3.30 p.m. Eastern slot, I think adds a little bit of juice to it, too. Yeah, I want to talk about that. One of the reasons we wanted to hop on here today is because there has been a little bit more buzz for this game um, getting announced yesterday. In case you missed it, it'll be 2.30 Central um, on CBS are Penn State fans mad about that because it'll be middle of September in, in Auburn, Alabama, or is that not really? Because Auburn fans are definitely trying to grab any advantage they can and saying, oh, it'll be it'll be super hot. And those Northerners aren't aren't used to that. I, I wonder how much that actually matters for a team like Penn State. I think that it was one of those things that kind of came up uh, a little bit after the fact. You know, once you actually I think a lot of it for me, the first thing I went to was, oh, like that afternoon slot on CBS. That's great. You know. To me, you know, it's a staple, even though I grew up on the East Coast in the Mid-Atlantic, that was still a staple of uh, Saturday afternoons and being able to be in that environment, um, I think is going to be really cool. But then the more you think about it, September in Alabama, um, you know, maybe it kind of creeps into your head a little bit. But I mean, Penn State last year, that Wisconsin game in the opener was a really weird and humid game. A lot of guys went down with cramps. Um, even I think they played Villanova last year at the end of September in just kind of one of those just weird, uh, weirdly hot late September games that you get, uh, on the East coast. Obviously it's not the same, um, as that, you know, as the South and, and what's there. But I mean, I think that in general, I think that there's just a lot of excitement for it. Um, obviously the way that TV contracts are set up now, Penn state hasn't been on CBS since 2000. Um, so even though that's kind of a, a minor footnote to the game, I think that that's also something that, that people are excited about too. No, for sure. I'm, I'm sure it's been since Auburn's been on Fox, you know, something like the way that crosses over. I, I can't even remember the last time I watched Auburn, um, play a game on there. So, so, all right, let's, let's actually get into talking, um, a little bit about Penn state's current state of the program and, and what they're looking like for the 2022 season. But, um, before we do that, what happened last year? after Auburn fans left off with Penn State. Yeah, that was that was a great game. Um, that was that was one of the better non-conference games, I think, of the season. Maybe the final score wouldn't be as indicative, but, of, of course, you and me both know from, from watching that game, um, great battle all the way to the end. Hopefully we get one as good as that, but 
after that game, moving forward the rest of the season, Penn State seems like they 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 fell a little bit short of um of the expectations they they set for themselves in 2021. What happened with the Nittany Lions after that Auburn game? Well, if Penn State closed the season losing six of their final eight games. Obviously, I think injuries were something that that really kind of took center stage. Uh, Sean Clifford got hurt in that Iowa game. Uh, when he leaves, Penn State is up by two touchdowns. It's 17 to three. Uh, number three versus number four. Kinnick Stadium was was pretty quiet. But uh, Taquan Roberson, the number two quarterback, came in and just kind of wasn't ready for the moment. Um, you know, it it was a disaster um, for the offense from from there to the end. And then uh, PJ Mustafer, big defensive tackle, uh, also got lost for the season in that game and. Uh, even though the the Penn State defense played well, I mean, it was definitely a, a bend but don't break uh, unit. Um, you kind of saw that they got gashed by Illinois. Um, they got gashed by Arkansas in the run game. Granted, that or in the bowl game. Granted, that was with you know half the defense defensive starters opting out. Um, but it, it was kind of a things built up and some of the things that we saw early in the season, like in that Auburn game. Uh, Penn State, you know, struggled to get the running game going. And that was just kind of the the theme. Um, the offensive line couldn't get a push. The offensive line had trouble keeping Sean Clifford upright. Um, and, and things just kind of snowballed. And I think the, the only two games they won um, after the fifth week of the season were against Maryland and Rutgers, which are two of the ones that you got to win. But uh, if those are the only two games that you're winning, you're, you know, you know, you're stuck in the middle of that division. Yeah, one of the reasons I wanted to bring that up was because there, there I think are some parallels between what Auburn did and and what Penn State did. Auburn lost its last five games this season, ended the end of the year on a five game losing streak. Um, they lost their starting starting quarterback for the season um, toward the end of the year. Bo Nix weren't the same offense after that, um, and then also lost an important defensive player. Owen Papo only played four games um, last season. I believe I think actually he suffered that leg injury in the Penn State game, and so um, just kind of a similar situation for both teams not necessarily accomplishing what they wanted last season the difference is for brian harson that was year one and that was a tough introduction to the fan base james franklin has three 11 win seasons under his belt it, you know, it's a little bit different just kind of saying oh it's a down year um they'll they'll pop back up what is the expectation now for them to be able to bounce back in 2022 i i assume they 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 will be expecting um a much better season sean clifford coming back is obviously um, huge for them as we sit still with a, f- a few months until the kickoff. Um, what are the expectations like for Franklin? Was this his, his ninth team now at Penn mm-hmm. State? Yeah, this is, this is his ninth year, and he just signed that that big contract extension last November. So he's not going anywhere uh, unless someone you know comes in and, and takes him away. Uh, pretty much at this point, and I, I'm still trying to calibrate where exactly the expectations are. Um, I think that Penn State, obviously the the overall expectations are to compete in the Big Ten East, compete for the Big Ten title. Um, what that means for this individual team, I'm still trying to suss out. Um, I mean, there's still some some pretty big changes that happen this offseason. New defensive coordinator coming in and Manny Diaz. Uh, Brent Pry had been with James Franklin for 11 years, dating back to Vanderbilt. So that's a pretty big change. And then you're going into year two with Mike Yersich as the offensive coordinator. Obviously, Sean Clifford coming back, I think, helps from a, a continuity standpoint. 
you know, he's a six year senior and this is only going to be the second time he's had the same offensive coordinator two years in a row. So you kind of hope that you can take a step forward there. You hope that the offensive line has another year to develop under Phil Troutwine and kind of takes its next step forward. But I mean, I think the expectations are kind of what they are every year uh, from, from Penn state fans. I mean, they expect Penn state to go in and, and beat Ohio state beat Michigan um, and, and be in the mix uh, for the big 10 East for the big 10 title at the end of the year. Um, How that is going to look. um, I I think we still have a lot of learning to do. Um, I think that coming out of camp, I still kind of had a lot of big picture questions um, in terms of, you know, you can tell us that the offense is going to be better. You can tell us the the running game is going to be better, but what does that actually look like? What does that actually mean? I think there's some new talent. Uh, Nick Singleton, the five-star running back from Pennsylvania uh, is someone I think that people are expecting to make a big impact, but I'm kind of in the I'll believe it when I see it mode um, for, for the offense. And then the defense it's with Pry leaving. He did things in such a specific way. Um, that Manny Diaz coming in, putting his own imprint in the, on the program. I, I think that that is something that, you know, we'll kind of suss out over the first couple weeks of the season. So what do you make here? I've got, I've got their win total at 8.5. What do you make of an over under there? <laughs> oh man. I think I would probably, if I was feeling bold, I'd go nine, I'd go over. Um, but I think that based off of what we saw last year, I think that eight feels, feels a little safer. Now, what do you make of Sean Clifford now? It seems like he's in his you know, thousandth season of, of playing college football. Um, but he was a guy, again, I hate to just with every you know, talk about the similarities, but I really do feel like he was a pretty similar quarterback last season to Bo Nix, where he had these flashes of brilliance where where Penn State was obviously very confident in what he was doing. Um, also had some head scratching games. Um, and so against Auburn, it was certainly the former he had 28 of 32 um those little shallow routes with with Jahan Dotson were, were they were I mean they're completely unstoppable um for Auburn's defense in that game is is Penn State sort of in the situation where they they'll go as Sean Clifford goes this season because Auburn is certainly very dependent this year they've got a pretty good defense very dependent on quarterback play that'll that'll set their ceiling I believe um is that the same situation for Penn State or do they have some other good factors working for them I think it'll depend on a little bit more on the running game. Um, if the running game can't get going, then you're definitely in the, as Sean Clifford goes, uh, we go camp. But if the running game can be better than it was last year, I think they didn't have a 100 yard rusher last year. I think they averaged 3.2 yards per carry for the season, like just not a good showing all around. And that put a lot of pressure onto, on the Sean Clifford onto his arm. And there were some, you know, some kind of questionable play calling decisions mixed in there too. Um, I think in the Michigan state game in the snow in the season finale in the first half, Penn state threw all over Michigan state, um, even in, even in basically whiteout conditions. Um, but in the second half, they really pulled it back and, and tried to run the ball and it just didn't work. Um, so I think that with Clifford, if he can get, you know, if the running game can be something that, you know, if you can average 4.2 yards per carry, four yards per carry, if Nick Singleton can be a guy who, if nothing's there, he can still make a guy miss and get to the second level, you know, break off in 60, 70, 80 yard run. Um, I think that that's something that can help Penn State and, and help Sean Clifford a lot. Um, but, you know, right now it kind of is set up to be as Sean Clifford goes, Penn State goes on offense, which 
I think a lot of fans aren't necessarily the most uh, thrilled about. Um, I think that you, you look at when he announced he was coming back in December, the general can, the general feeling seemed to be, okay, like he's back for the sixth year. Drew Aller, the five-star, is coming in. This will be kind of a, a natural bridge um, there. Um, even if Clifford left, Penn State was probably still going to look in the transfer portal uh, for a veteran quarterback to bring in. But with Clifford coming back, it was kind of like, okay, like you can kind of see the the succession plan here a little bit. Um, but after the bowl game uh, where Penn State was just not good against Arkansas, it was just a, a really ugly game. Uh, Clifford just did not look that good, even though he'd had kind of a, a month to get healthy. Um, I think that that kind of soured a lot of people going into the off season. So it'll be interesting. I mean, six years is a long time. This is his fourth year as a starter. People have seen a lot of Sean Clifford. Um, I think that there's part of the fan base that just wants to see something new. Um, you know, whether it's Christian Veyu, uh, the retro freshman or Drew Aller, Bo Perula, an- another three-star freshman. But I, but I think we're going to see a lot of Sean Clifford this year. And, you know, he's the, he's the engine. I mean, he's the quarterback. That's just kind of how, how these things go. You talked a little bit about obviously the optimism from spring of which everybody wins a national championship in spring. Of course, we, we know that the, everybody's offense is going to be better, but what, what specifically has the staff and some of the personnel and the players talked about um, to get things going a little better around Clifford so that he can replicate those games like he had against Auburn a little more often? I think the one name that we've heard a lot is Mitchell Tinsley. Uh, he's a graduate transfer wide receiver from Western Kentucky. Uh, 87 catches, 1,400 yards, 14 touchdowns. Wasn't even Western Kentucky's leading receiver last year um, based on how that offense went. And he's going to wear number five like Jahan Dotson. Um, and there have been, you know, some some comparisons between the two in, in terms of playing style. And obviously Dotson was a player that he was a, a first round pick. Uh, the circus catches. I mean, we saw it in the Auburn game um, just just made ridiculous plays week after week. And obviously it's going to take a take a village to kind of make up for that. But I think Mitchell Tinsley is someone that Penn State is really excited about uh, Singleton. Katron Allen, the other uh, freshman running back, he's a four star from IMG Academy. And by all indications, you know, the fact that he was at IMG really prepared him for enrolling early. And he was someone that kind of knew how everything worked um, when he got to Penn State, which kind of helped his learning curve. Um, And then Parker Washington is someone that um, I'm really curious to see this year. Uh, He made some kind of Jahan Dotson-esque catches at times last year. Um, I think he can be the number one receiver. He's an interestingly built guy. I think he's 5'10", but he's 212 pounds. Looks like a running back, um, makes plays after the catch, but can also go up and get it. So I think that there are kind of these these offensive pieces at the skill spots, um, not to mention the the tight end room, which had a great game against Auburn last year, that there's there's skill there. But it's just kind of the getting the ball to them is is the biggest question coming through Clifford, coming through that offensive line um, that is replacing a couple starters and, and kind of seeing how exactly, um, you know, the, this functions, um, you know, in, in reality, as opposed to on paper on the practice field. So in last year's game, Tank Bigsby for Auburn was was what kind of made their offense go. Bo Nix had a, had a handful of good plays there. Um, in the passing game but on Auburn's side as you're looking now at the Penn State defense so much is reliant on Tank Bigsby they need him to 100% be a thousand yard rusher again they've got a lot of offensive linemen coming back 
Um, but they are moving on now. Bo Nix transferred to Oregon. It's a three-man quarterback battle heading into fall camp. I think a lot of people are maybe leaning. It's Zach Calzada, the Texas A&M transfer, might be the guy. In this early stage of the season, I think it's probably a positive for Auburn to have a couple of those tune-up games to beforehand to get that quarterback going. But I think if 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 a if a quarterback that is still breaking in were to be facing a, a mean pass rush or a or a defense that's really solid in the passing game, might spell a little bit of disaster. What does Penn State look like? You know, just obviously still we're projecting forward, but what do you think they're going to look like in this kind of game on the defensive side of the ball in terms of their ability to affect the new quarterback? Um, like this, or are they like Auburn is sometimes where a random quarterback, the, you know, the, the, the third string guy from South Carolina will have the best game of his career. It seems like, you know, how do you expect them to, to match up with whomever wins the starting job at Auburn? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see, um, Arnold Ebiketti last year, uh, nine and a half sacks, I think 18 tackles for loss. Um, he was just consistently a menace off the edge. And he was a guy that in the biggest games and the biggest spots was able to come through. He was a second round pick. And when you look at kind of the the pass rush now, there's just a lot of question marks. Um, Jesse Lucetta, uh, who split time between linebacker and defensive end, is also off to the NFL, which leaves uh, Nick Tarburton um, as kind of the the only returning um, member of that defensive end rotation, which was pretty thin to begin with last year. And he's kind of more of a more of the the run stopping defensive ends. Um, I think he only has one career sack, and it came in the bowl game last year, but. There are kind of some reinforcements coming. Uh, Damian Robinson, the the transfer from Maryland, uh, is a former five-star recruit um, who's expected to enroll later this year. He's someone who could come in and, and make an impact there off the edge. But the defensive line just has a ton of question marks. Um, Adisa Isaac was expected to play a big role last year. Um, Torres Achilles before the season started. So he's someone who's coming back. There's a lot of excitement, but you still kind of don't know with the player coming off an injury like that until he gets onto the field. And then in the middle of the defensive line, uh, PJ Mustafer's return is big, but he's another guy who's coming off an injury. So I think all indications are he'll be ready uh, for, for fall camp, but how he looks through those first couple weeks, how they're kind of managing his reps, um, what that actually looks like. Um, I think you're, you have a lot of questions about, um, I mean, this defense lost, a ton of starters. Um, you know, you lose Ebiketti, Derek Tangelo, the defensive tackle, who had a, a big play against Auburn, um, Luketta, Ellis Brooks, Brandon Smith, Jaquan Brisker, Tariq Castro Fields. I mean, these are all big names for this defense, guys who'd been around for forever and, and were able to make big plays. So I think that hopefully, you know, I feel like the defense is one of these units that really could benefit from kind of two tune up games uh, going into this Auburn game, but we're going to learn a lot, uh, learn a lot about them against Purdue. Uh, and then against Ohio, it'll kind of be, all right, let, let's see what we have. How can we, what do we need to change? How do we get ready for Auburn? Um, it'll be, it'll be really interesting. I mean, this front seven is just going to look so different. And I think Manny Diaz will have a little bit of a different style than Brent Pry. So there's just kind of a, a lot of moving parts right now that I'm kind of curious how it settles out uh, when we finally get to September. I think most people would agree that while sometimes they're fun to watch the the actual home and homes when you do non-conference games like this um, are a lot more fun to, to be a part of. You get to experience new campuses and um, new parts of the country for, for, for Auburn and Penn state in their case, they'd only met twice before last year and both of them been in bowl games. So they had, they had never traveled to each other's um, campuses before. 
Um, everything I heard, I, I wasn't able to be there in, in Happy Valley last year, but everything I heard from Auburn fans was that their experience was awesome and they they enjoyed being there. Um, they enjoyed getting to meet the Penn State fans. I think they they developed a good relationship there. Um, do you kind of feel the same from from Penn State fans? Is there that same level of excitement to get down to Auburn because this is their first SEC road trip since I know they played Alabama in 2010 or something. Like that. Is is this the first one since then? I believe so. Um, yeah, I think there's a, a ton of excitement around it. Um, you know, I spent most of my career covering the NFL, uh, and the, my years on a college beat was uh, University of Maryland, which is a, a little bit different um, than than Penn State or the or the SEC. So last year's environment uh, for the Penn State Auburn game, I mean, I'd never really seen anything like it. Never really been um, been a part of something like that, and I think that both the Auburn fans and the Penn state fans had just a, a really great time uh, at Beaver stadium. And I think that people are really excited to get down there. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Penn state announced a home and home with Syracuse uh, for later this decade. And there are some pretty mixed reactions uh, to that in terms of kind of the, the lack of excitement around something like that. Um, and I think that that kind of shows kind of what the, the type of excitement there is for something like an sec home and home and, kind of being on the campus environments, you know, not doing the neutral site thing, just kind of actually bringing them here, going there. Um, so I think, I think people are really excited. And I think as the, the season gets closer, that excitement will only kind of ramp up as we kind of learn more about what these teams are actually going to look like. Yeah, somehow, I don't even know how this was possible, but last year it was Auburn's first true road game in the Big Ten since 1932. They went to play <laughs> Wisconsin, which is just absurd. Um, yes, yeah, so you'd think things like this would pop up more, but every time there's these big non-conference games scheduled, you look at it, it's like, oh, this team hasn't played in 50 years. You're like, how is this even possible? So yeah, I think everybody agrees that um, this is definitely the, mon- the more fun route to go. Daniel, one more, and then we'll we'll let you go. Appreciate you um, hopping on today. I'm not going to ask you to pick the game, of course. We're not going to do that. That's, <laughs> that's, that's ridiculous. Um, but as we look ahead right now, just what will you be looking for as we get closer to time as it pertains to this individual matchup, the game that will actually be occurring on the field inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. Um, what does Penn State need to do well? Um, what what are some things that they did against Auburn last year that that maybe didn't go so well that, that could rear their head back up in 2022? Um, FanDuel's got them right now as a super early line. Says Penn State is a one-point road uh, favorite in this game. So we'll see how much that change is uh, leading ahead, ahead to the game. But I guess just you know, still a few months out, your general expectations for this individual game um, and what Penn State would have to do to pull off a road win and and win both of these home and homes. Yeah, I think that it kind of goes back to the front seven, uh, what we kind of talked about before. I mean, in that game last year, Tank Bigsby was really, really good. Um, And even uh, Jarquez Hunter, uh, I think, is that the name? Yeah, Yeah, he had that big hurdle at the end. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, both of those guys were kind of able to get free, able to get into the secondary, make some things happen. And I think that Penn State under Brent Pry, the the trademark was just bend, don't break. I mean, they had so many single-digit games last year where they were just kind of in games to the end, uh, keeping games close that the way the offense played, you know, maybe they didn't really have any business being in. Um, so I think that that's something that I think Penn State is going to have to be kind of honed in on uh, for this game is can that defense play at that similar level, even if Tank, Tank, Tank Bigsby uh, is getting his yards. Are they going to keep them out of the end zone uh, in the red zone? Are they going to hold them to field goals? Are they going to force some key turnovers here and there at the end of long drives? Um, I think that from this kind of, I think we're probably at like the 35,000 foot view uh, of this matchup right now. I think that that's kind of the 
the thing that taking away from last year, uh, last year's individual game and kind of last year's body of work as a whole uh, that I'm, I'm definitely thinking about, you know, in you know May 26th, uh, a couple months out. Yeah, it should be a good one. I hope that uh, I hope that it'll live up to last year's matchup in terms of the environment. Auburn announced yesterday that it'll be an orange out. Okay. Kind of matching Penn State's whiteout. By the way, I don't know if you ever caught on to this or, or were, had caught wind of this, but they claimed that their white face mask thing that they did, because that was the first time Auburn had worn white face masks in this forever. It's the first time <laughs> they'd ever done it. Um, they claimed that that was not because of Penn State. That was because they had wanted to do something like that and it was their <laughs> first opportunity. And everyone was just like, all right, sure. Whatever, whatever you say for the whiteout game. Um, but yeah, maybe they'll bust out the orange jerseys. They haven't done that in like 30 years or something <laughs> like that. So um, should be a great environment down there. Definitely really excited for it. Uh, Daniel, thank you so much for joining us um, today on the Auburn Under- Undercover Podcast. You guys can follow him on Twitter. Make sure I've got it right here. It is Daniel JT Gallon, correct? Yes, that is correct. Okay, perfect. And you can obviously check out all the Penn State stuff. You guys remember what we did with Tyler last year. Um, we'll have lots of great stuff leading up to the game over at Lions 24-7. Um, if you guys enjoy the show, please leave us a five-star review. That is the number one thing um, that helps us out. The intro and outro music is by Beats by Mordecai. You guys can follow him on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Instagram. Until the next episode, we will catch you guys later. Everybody have a great rest of the week.